Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast, a place for kingdom-minded songwriters to grow in their craft and community. What is up, my friends? Welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast. I'm mm-hmm. Rachel Thomas, and I'm here with my bros. <laughs> oh, no, no. He picked the wrong one. Wow, Nick. I I do we, so... did we want to do this one? Yeah. That's what I was reaching for. So let me introduce Eric Nordoff first. <laughs> oh. Nobody's excited about okay. that. It's okay. Sorry. We it's found okay. the buttons, guys. Yeah. We found the buttons. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm here with my brothers, yeah. friends, yes. amigos. Yes. We're yes. so happy to be yeah. with you. Nick Morrow. Mm-hmm. Yo, yo. Head of Writing Worship. Eric Nordoff. Mm-hmm. What is your formal title now? There's no nothing formal okay. about that. Okay. I was the co-founder with Chrissy. Indeed. How about that? Yes. Mm-hmm. And... And Chrissy, my wife, Chrissy Nordoff, songwriter. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. But we are so pumped to be here with you guys today, diving into some good stuff. We got some good content here later Mm. with Stacey Wilbur. She's like the one and only, the kindest. Queen. She is the sweetheart. Yeah, she really is. Mm -hmm. Head of publishing at Tim. That's right. Correct. That's right. Tim yeah. Publishing, who, which of course is the publishing company that was co-founded by Chris Tomlin and Jason Ingram. You know, just some just random two guys. couple names you may know. Two light, lightweights, <laughs> lightweights in, in right. our industry. Maybe you've sung their songs a few times. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Startup situation. <laughs> right. <laughs> she goes support. So support, right, yeah. support struggling <laughs> artists. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> That's right. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but her breakout was so good. I got to sit in on that oh, one. Man. She's yeah. really kind. It's so delightful most of the time when you find out that the people that run some really like major companies are actually really gracious mm-hmm. yeah and it just it's kind of like everybody in the room can breathe and it's like okay i can ask that question mm-hmm. and not worry about totally feeling like an idiot yeah you know yeah mm-hmm. maybe just a little not totally but yeah yeah she's awesome stacy's so great so we have a conversation with her at our conference she yes. came to the writing worship conference gave a great talk mostly took questions yeah and we're going to play all of that yes for people so that they can get I think it's one of the most complicated subjects, publishing, song publishing, copyrights, et cetera. We get the most questions about that for sure. Yeah. 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 And Stacy was was a gem to take all those questions and give insight into the kind of things that she deals with on a day-to-day basis as a Christian publisher. Yeah. By the way, she has a lot of experience in the countryside as well. That's right. Um, She mentioned that. She used to work that uh, and had 
great success in that realm. She's been, I've known her since she moved to town oh, in wow. the 90s, okay. you know, when I started working in, in Christian Good music. Good old days. Mm-hmm. Those were the CD days. Like barely, going, bar- right? Cassettes barely. were still around. That's mm. true. But it's, did y'all ever have the experience? I was thinking about this the other day, like the euphoric experience of walking into family Christian bookstore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that was a good day if my mom had to run an errand and she let me, <laughs> she dropped me <laughs> off at Family Christian and I would go and I would just listen to either all of the new CDs, cassettes, whatever, or I would check out their new selection of accompaniment tracks. Oh, for yeah. Church. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. because yeah. they had like the headphones, you could go yes. listen on the headphones to the new jams. Without, and then also yeah. comb through a fresh copy of the CCM Mag. CCM <laughs> magazine. I remember that. Oh, yeah. What was your go-to if, like, oh. if so and so had a new record out? Who was as a kid? What oh, was the dude? Well, it changed from year to year. Um, sure, bless it. But like, I'd say probably my most obsessed time in high school would have been Nicole Nordeman. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. and and that probably shaped my writing the most too when I started okay. to write. But earlier on I would say like I remember Jackie Velasquez like I I mean and she's from Texas so she was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Jackie Velasquez of course Point of Grace like that whole <laughs> Twilight pair. I mean, you know, you like me and Chrissy had this conversation one day we need to do like CCM bingo together. Yeah. And see how we all would do. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I, I feel like I could hang in there with y'all for a little bit. I mean, this is it. I've got one think? row. I've got yes. like punk and alternative okay. Christian stuff from okay. the 90s. That's my one big row. That's your row. one. That's and it. who were they? Who were the punk? Well, there was so there was a label in Seattle called Tooth and Nail Records. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was huge. Yes. And so like big artists eventually, MXPX, Under Oath, like a bunch of artists came from that. But I knew everyone. My brother was the first one to get, he said... We were only allowed to buy Christian music as a kid. Us too. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a common story. This is a, it an is evangelical a church. <laughs> yes, and indeed. Explains much <laughs> of my troubled teen and 20s years. But we won't go there. Right, right. I feel but you, yes. My brother said to me later on in life, he said, you know, I walked into the CD store and I bought the CD that I thought mom and dad would hate the most. Oh, how funny. Which happened to be an MXPX CD. Okay. And I loved it. Yeah. I thought, okay. this is awesome. Dude. It's angsty, and which became the gateway for me into a lot of secular music and yeah. all that. Yeah, oh, for sure. But that was, for me, it was just like all of that punk and ska and yes. hardcore and all of that when I was a kid. Did you plum? Did you like plum? Plum, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were just... She was like my... Hard enough. Just hard I enough. I feel like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was... She was, yeah, that hurt the tone in her voice, but also it was hard, but not too hard. It was still like yeah. moody pop. Your parents might like, listen with you. They Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. maybe. <laughs> I have so many stories. (laughs) All these people. (laughs) Because all these artists, I worked with them. That's so cool. I worked with all these artists. Yes. Who at the time were probably like in their 20s. Yeah, they were my age. All these artists were idiots like me. Just kidding. But uh, yeah, I mean, they were, we were all kind of in this together. I was kind of this young person like Gosh. them and uh they were just super super kind but my so i accepted christ at 23 okay and my story is like i had a lot of seed planting so the first music i listened to were the the trio michael w oh. amy grant he was very and, fond of michael and w. stephen curtis, stephen curtis. Oh, yeah 1000 percent stephen curtis they were big influences yes. on me before i was a christian for sure. Really? So yeah, you yeah. listened to those three artists mm-hmm. before you were a Christian. Yeah. So I That's we cool. had a Christian bookstore. It was a Logos bookstore, Logo, Logos okay. bookstore in Ithaca, New York in college. What? I remember I used to go to it. My friend was into it, ironically, okay. and he would show me like all this new music and it was like all these artists. And, and I you love the sound. Like, and genuinely. I loved Cindy Morgan. Oh, I remember, and, yes. Uh, 
I mean, I was kind of a pop guy, as you can tell. But later on, I would kind of get into more of the rock. (laughs) That was in your letter. She was in my letter. (laughs) Um, But just all those artists influenced me. And yeah, so by the time... I'm so curious about this, though, because my wife was asking me this the other day. And I was like, yeah, I think he was into Christian music before he became a Christian. I don't remember Mm -hmm. how. But was there like a moment for you where you were like, wait, I'm listening to this music that's about Jesus, but I don't believe? Like, what was that like? Well, that was the funny thing is I didn't actually think that I was not a Christian. I just thought it was good music. And yes, some of the lyrics were like Jesus and speaking his name, and I didn't quite understand it, Okay, but I knew I liked it. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Like even then he was, he was drawing you to himself. Absolutely. With Christian music. That's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we have a special Speaking guest who's legends. arrived. Yes, come Speaking on in, come on in Chrissy. Yes. Come on, sit, sit, sit in here. Sit next Favorite to Rachel. Speaking of legends <laughs> from happening? 90s, early Chrissy 2000s Nordoff, Christian ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> music <laughs> yes. and songwriting. Early 2000s. <laughs> well, I, I just have to say, on that note, Hey, Bonnie Ray won a Grammy last night. I can be an old lady songwriter. Hey. <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> we got more time. That's right. We got more time. How old is Bonnie Ray? Do you know? I don't know. That's a really I'm looking it young. up right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she's, <laughs> she's a boss lady, too. Oh, yeah. She's what a queen. Yeah. Sure. 73 yeah. years old. What? 73. Get out. Nope. Yeah, nope. That is what I'm talking about. That's mm-hmm. like Dolly Land right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she, it's like, yeah, I feel like those ladies, you say the name. Still killing it, though. Still Get winning Grammys. Yeah. 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 I mean, she was up against some tough people. I so. couldn't believe it. She was surprised. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so wait, hold on just a second. Do you know? I thought you know if you win a Grammy beforehand. Is that I don't not think true? So. I don't. I, maybe no. the uh, other awards, but probably not the. I, I think you know you're you're nominated by how you're seated or if, whether Wait, you have a chance of winning based on how you're sitting. So, yeah. yeah, we didn't get to go because it was COVID. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Right. But, but you didn't. They didn't tell you who won ahead of time. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I watch That's on TV. Okay. what about doves? Did the doves tell you ahead no. of time? They do not. They so tell, you're finding don't out. Don't they tell publicists ahead of time? They do tell publicists ahead of time because they need to plan and prepare. So are you texting your publicist when you get a dev? But I was her publicist. I signed up <laughs> to be her publicist. Yeah. So did you find out? So before I could she find did? out. No, they didn't oh. actually send me a note. Okay. I had a text. That's how I found out last night. Well, we, what yeah, the, the, the pre-telecast, yeah. we were trying to find our seats and somebody we texted us and said, congratulations, congratulations. So yeah. this time we didn't, we weren't in the room when the Dove Awards were announced. Wow. I've only ever been in the pre-show. Yeah. That's yeah. when our okay. worship song of the year for Your Great Name was during the pre-show. That was, but that was, worship was a genre, really. Yeah, oh. that was a, or that was like a pre-show. This is 2012. It was like a pre-show okay. award okay. <laughs> was worship song of the year. Yeah, now it's like a main part of the Doves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the main telecast, but um, anyway. So, so, what are you guys talking about down here? What did you listen to growing up? Yeah, who was your who was your favorite? I'll give you a big hint up there. Oh yeah, yeah. Amy Grant. Grant. I have a whole collection down here. Amy (laughs) Grant collection. She's a little bit of a fan, and we need to bring Amy on to the podcast sometime. Her music it really impacted me. Mm-hmm. She's so a boss probably, lady probably too. more than anybody. Wait, yeah. did you just suggest that Amy Grant is a option to have on the podcast? Absolutely. Everything, is, everyone is an option. You can always. Be. Well, I'm there. looking over your shoulder, yeah. Michael W. Smith. Oh yeah. Who Eric who are all, all these? these the I found these. I these say, are photos of me and my time. I'm like, 
Wow. So there's Eric's trying Richard Marks. <laughs> oh, Richard, Richard Marks. Richard Marks. Okay. He okay. produced an album of of uh, mine, not of mine, what? of uh, an, a label that I worked <laughs> with. <laughs> then Smitty. Then yeah. Smitty. Michael W. Yeah. Smith. And there's Amy and Vince. Amy Grant. Vince. And then Fernando Ortega. Oh, I, I love Fernando Boy. Ortega. Wait, we have a Cheryl yes. Crow autograph over here. Why don't you put we do? that in the window? I didn't know we had a Cheryl Crow autograph. Man, you guys have the coolest. Oh, that's right. I met her. And I got an autograph. Get out of town. Mm-hmm. Well, she lives just up the road, right? She, yeah. At this time, she had just moved here. She was, I know. Nick and my, I like That's it. my favorite female songwriter of all time. Is she? Oh, she's oh, great. Oh, my goodness. Did you like the documentary? Listen. I haven't seen the documentary. I haven't, I haven't either, but I've heard it's very good. Oh, I have forgot a theory. about that. Well, well, Chrissy's getting this Cheryl Crow. Stack. A stack of Cheryl Crow. To Eric and Chrissy. Wow. Look at us. So why is she your favorite? I'm curious. This is why. Okay. Now, this is very controversial. Okay. In songwriting circles. Okay. So you guys feel free to punch holes in this. Okay. I believe, and I'm going to give you, I'll give you all my evidence in a second. Okay. Just hear me out. I believe that Cheryl Crow is the female Tom Petty. Oh. <laughs> Conspiracy theories. She, she, <laughs> she is. No, listen. Okay. When you think about. Okay. First of all, how many great records they yeah. had. They each have three or four really good records. Yeah. yeah. You think about the longevity of hits and popularity. She okay. actually, she spans a longer time than Tom Petty did. Wait, okay. With, what with, year did she, would she have started? Wow. Well, remember? early to mid 90s. Okay. All the way through, you know, 2010 maybe or something. So yeah. she had a good 15 to 20 year run. Wow, yeah. But Petty wasn't that much, he was in a similar yeah. You know, yeah. like 80s and early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just the amount of songs that you know by them, like their greatest hits, you stack them up and there's just 15 or 20 yeah. blockbuster hits on there. Yeah. She's oh, incredible. She's, yeah, I got, I happened to uh, pass her at a, at Radnor Lake on one of my Radnor Lake walks. Did you really? And she, yeah, she passed me. But she was with Kevin Nealon and her were doing a hiking wow. with Kevin. Okay. At Radnor Lake okay, okay. one random morning. Why don't we do hiking with writing worship? We should do hiking do with, so yeah. Anyway, right. she was hiking with Kevin Nealon. <laughs> and how did this come up? Why did this come up? I don't her know. Fa- her favorite. And then she, somebody mentioned Cheryl Crow. And then. Oh, oh, like, after yeah. that, I got really crazy into Cheryl Crow. Like okay. for two days, I played it only for Anthem. I played all the Cheryl Crow songs. Okay. Yeah. Did she and then like I was it? like, she didn't really she loves pop like really pop. like yeah. pop music okay. so she didn't love it but i think she appreciated it okay her songwriting yeah. so i'm a i'm a huge Cheryl crow fan for yeah. sure yeah this is oh, no. oh, no. i wish you guys could see this yes. well we're gonna take a picture Please. of this yeah. Yeah. i have no makeup on so oh, it's okay this is the ccm bag we were referring to yeah, oh that's this right this is it a decade of amy yeah. and smitty it's the amy and grant smitty. cover copies so this is 1988 mm-hmm. wow and then this is campus life magazine from focus on the family oh yes is margaret becker who's that on the oh, that's cover. margaret becker that's amy grant and her little kid oh really that looks like amy that looks like margaret becker no it's amy grant that oh. Does oh it says like baby baby i would okay. have saved okay. it if it was margaret, margaret becker okay and then Oh, more oh, Amy Grant. Yes, the she, book, the songbook. Was that when she had when you met her with when me? I met her. So we met her one time, and she thought I was Eric's daughter. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Was that when when she was yeah, when was you were my daughter? She had a coughing fit, and that was the end of our. We never finished the <laughs> conversation. She it. well, you skipped over. I think this is the album that I found out about Amy Grant. This one right here. No, the uh, Heart Emotion. Oh, the one on this the wall. one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that my parents had that. And I was just, okay. a, you know, little, but I like those songs were so good. They were so good. good. Baby, yeah. baby is on there, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. great. 
Yes. Yeah. And the Christmas album, too. For, she won a Grammy for that All album. of her Christmas albums are all good. Still good. Even the ones she's yes. put out several years ago. I love mm-hmm. their all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So can we have her on the podcast? We will. (laughs) That's next uh, next week, two weeks from now. Okay, two weeks from now. (laughs) What if I surprised you and I had Amy Grant? She walked around the the studio. You would go nuts. Oh, you would freak out. Okay, I have another question for you guys. Yes. Okay, my wife and I talk about a lot how there's there's celebrity people. Okay. Like I don't know, Post Malone, Robert De Niro. You see them on the street, and it's like these are very famous people. Bono, Oprah. Yeah. And then there's Christian famous, right? Yeah. Which is really not famous, right? Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. But like famous, but within a very specific group of people, they're very well known, right? Do you get when you so you guys all meet like kind of Christian famous people all the time? Do you get the nervous feeling when you meet Christian famous people? Go ahead, ladies first. Yeah, well, I would say when I moved to Nashville, that's definitely something that you have to get used to as far as like, oh, I listened to you in the car and now you're getting coffee in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Emily and I were talking about this last night, how fun it is to just know that like I'm in a super uber creative town and they're just normal people like you and me. Yeah. But I will say, especially I have a lot of memories growing up going to concerts and like standing in the autograph line to get like Kathy uh-huh. Jacoli or Bob Bennett or Plum's autograph, you know, mm-hmm. Steve mm-hmm. <laughs> and being so nervous, like, yeah. and being like, what am I going to say? I need to be the cool fan. I can't be a super fan, you know, yeah. just overanalyzing, <laughs> like meeting Rachel Lampa or whatever, but it's just so, <laughs> Then you see them are running. I mean, I almost smacked heads with Derek Webb and Target the other day. Like, <laughs> that's another topic, but but of course it was. He was shouting with his daughter. Of course it was Target. Yeah. But just thinking like favorite. this is just it is it is my favorite. So I guess I would say I feel like probably yes I do, but I have maybe gotten a little better about self regulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect word. Chrissy, how about you? You still get nervous? It depends on the person. Like, if it's somebody I listened to growing up, yeah. yeah. Then I tend to be more like that. Like, oh my gosh, it's that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's somebody that's kind of grown up with you, that yeah, it's the been around, same right. phase of life yeah. as you. Mm-hmm. Who do you get? Who makes you nervous? Yeah. Well, it would be Amy Grant, probably yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably more that era than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, just because that's what I grew up listening to. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit, like, Michael W. Smith was a huge part of me coming to faith. Amy Grant was a huge part. I mean, I was nervous meeting both of them. But I got to say, the first time I met Stephen Chris Chapman was the most natural conversation. There was no... I mean, I might have been a little bit nervous, but I was more just excited to meet him. And he was the kindest. Like, I had just accepted Christ, like, the night before oh, and wow. I went to his concert the all next the pr- day. All the pressure. He had and, no idea. Yeah. He was, the booking. <laughs> aid, I, I have, yeah. Yes, he yes. was being booked by this, the guy that I accepted Christ at his house. Wow. Wow. And so he introduced me to him and he was like, Oh man, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's gave me a big so hug so and cool. like was just super kind. Well, so I think certain ones, you know, respond to people differently too. Yeah. But I think it's funny, the ones that you get nervous, names you named, like yeah. these are all people I was responsible for working with, like, you know, so I'm like, it's hilarious, you know, but I get it. I totally get yeah, it. I yeah. can picture little Rachel, younger Rachel. Oh, 1000%. But then excited. realizing like, oh, these people have to go to Target. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's or other places or too. Other places there are other too. places that <laughs> you, Nick, yes, you get nervous? Yes, I do. 
I think that it's the same. If it's someone I listened to when I was a kid, you have this whole thing built in your mind about they're this untouchable. I think any from like DC Talk, Mm. game over probably i'd be really mm-hmm. nervous mm-hmm. i think michael w smith mm-hmm. steven oh, i saw steven curtis chapman in the parking lot what? the other day he was going like must have been going to a photo shoot he had like 10 jackets over his shoulder right at the factory Bro. i think so i think people like that yes okay. but the same experience i'm fresher to town than of course any of you but that experience of oh yeah you just see people all around all the time sure. and they're doing normal things sure. and you it reminds you it does everyone's just kind of normal and then they'll you also meet more or work with more or whatever, sure. and you start to realize everyone's just people. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. You, yeah. And I think in this town, there's just this general, like, respect, and people give space yeah. for everybody. Like, I saw I saw Luke mm-hmm. Bryan yesterday. You did you really? Talk, you Get did. out. What? You've been yep. sitting on this for 10 minutes? I know. You I saw, saw Luke, Luke Bryan just walking into a restaurant we were in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, super. I mean, it was funny because I held the door open for him. I was holding the door open for people because we were waiting to get in. And I opened the door and I looked at him. I go, oh, hi. Like, and, but (laughs) then I realized that I only knew him. But he didn't know me. Like right. it was like super awkward. So I just kind of let him go. But yes, that is kind of funny. Hey, but we better get to our conversation yes. uh, or our um, speaker today. Yes. Which is, we already talked about her, Stacey Wilbur. But Chrissy, do you want to have anything to say about Stacey before we play her talk at conference? I think Stacey is one of the longest standing female business people in the Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's been here as long as we have, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, been in the industry that whole entire time, longer than me, actually. And what I love about her is she carries a mother's heart for the industry, mm-hmm. and she does a lot with mentoring girls that are a part of the industry. But she just has a really great heart, and I think that's what has that's what has been a huge part of her story, being here this length of time in the mm-hmm. industry and pouring out and being as well-respected as she is by so many people. It's because of the heart she carries, and um, the Lord has done great things through her. She's been very successful in both Christian music and country music, which you don't see that a lot of times either. And she's worked for several different publishing companies and has accomplished a lot of amazing things. But again, none of it compares to her heart. So, mm, so good. she's a great great asset to our community mm. and industry. All right. Well, let's listen to Stacy Wilbur, head of publishing for Tim Publishing. Hey guys, my name is Stacy Wilbur. I have been in music publishing for over 20 years. I started when I was four, so yeah. Um, (laughs) But before we start, I just want to start in prayer. I just try to start everything that I do in prayer. And so this is nothing different. So Lord, we just thank you for this time together. I pray, God, that you would speak through me, that you would guide and direct our conversation, Lord, that we would they that those that are here would feel encouraged, inspired, and would leave here excited about the call that they have on their lives. So, Lord, I just give this time to you and um, 
just thank you again for just this amazing organization. I pray for um, just a blessing over Chrissy and and Eric. Um, thank you for who they are and what they do and the call that they have, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you would bless them, that you would give them um, perfect rest tonight as they go to go to bed and kind of end this this evening. But Lord, just bless them, and we just give all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Chrissy wanted me to share a little bit about my my story. So I'm going to start there and I apologize. I've been running like a crazy person and grabbing coffee for my songwriter who's over in the other room um, sharing, Benji Cowart. He's like, I need coffee. So I ran to get coffee for us. But um, <laughs> that's what you do as a publisher. You're, you're a servant at heart for 24-7. So... But I grew up in a very small town in Michigan. For those of you, Michigan is here and I'm right here. So I grew up in a really small town, 750 people. I like to say 749 because I'm the only one that moved away. <laughs> Everyone stays there. They work at the factory or they work on their the farm that they grew up on. And I, as a little girl was like the weird kid who loved music and used to invite my friends to come over to my house to listen to the new album that came out or cassette. And I we would go downstairs and I had my basement all set up with speakers and lights and we would just, you know, listen to songs, listen to an album all the way through. I was a massive country music fan and 70s music fan of people like, well, I mean, I like the Beatles, but I, I liked like the Bee Gees and Diana Ross and Melissa Manchester and all these, uh, just lots of different types of music. But country music was kind of my thing. And so my mom and my dad and I used to come to Nashville every year to what used to be called Fanfare and now it's called CMA Fest. And we started coming when I was eight years old until I was about 13 and every year would come. And it's so funny now to kind of see who I was then and what I was doing is a big part of what I already do now. And so I would go and hang out and stand in line to get different country music artists, their autograph. Yes, thank you. Been, it's been, it was a late night and an early morning. So, and so stand in line to get their autograph and just was always like curious about those that nobody stood in line for. And I remember there were so many people that I would go up, one in particular, her name is Patty Loveless, and nobody, nobody was standing in line for her. But I got, to, I think I was like nine or 10 and got a chance to like, just get her autograph and talk to her and ask her questions. I was always, even at that young age, I was always asking questions. So I, you know, because of that, I just fell in love with Nashville, started talking about as a little kid, I was going to move to Nashville one day. And my family are like, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Go to college. And um, don't, don't go to Nashville. So I did go to school. I did go to college in Indiana. I was also a basketball player. So I played ball there and did a lot in... I got my degree in elementary education, which is really strange because most people who are in the music industry go to Belmont or MTSU. But at that time, we didn't have access to computers and the internet. I mean, it was just all brand new. So I didn't really have access to all that. I didn't know about Belmont. So my plan was to get my degree in elementary education, move to Nashville after college, 
teach school and then figure out what this music thing was going to look like. And so that's basically what I did. I knew one person when I moved in 1994. Her name was Judy Rodman. And she was a huge artist in the 80s. And then she was a songwriter for Warner Chapel. And now she's a vocal coach. So if anybody wants to look up Judy Rodman, she does a podcast. She's really amazing for vocal training. And it's my little plug for Judy Rodman. So anyway... I moved to Nashville, started teaching school, and then started to just find my way in the music industry. One of the things that Judy said, I met with her for lunch um, when I first, like the second week I was here. And part of my story leads into taking risks and taking steps of faith. And I was not a believer at the time when I moved to Nashville. But I had this dream in my heart and I was wanted to at least take the step, take the leap of faith and at least come and, and see what this music industry thing was all about, you know? And when people say, hey, when they give you your a phone number or they say, hey, reach out to me, I'd love to have coffee with you, take, that, take those opportunities because people don't do that very often unless they mean it. So Judy said we had been in contact because I, I was going deeper into it, but I was in her fan club. So, um, <laughs> and um, it's so funny how so many of those people I grew up listening to that now I've become friends with and now I get to work on their projects. And God is so, so sweet and kind to what I thought I wanted to do, which was sing. Now... That didn't quite work out the way I thought I thought it was going to work out. And I wasn't as good as I thought I was. But I didn't let that crush my dreams. I just thought, okay, well, what else can I do that's in the music industry? And the more people that I met and the more people that I talked to and the more people I took to lunch or coffee helped kind of expand that that knowledge of the industry. And I met a guy named um, Grant Cunningham, who was an amazing, I'm kind of skipping around, taught school, ended up going, let me back up. I taught school, ended up going on the road on the weekend with this little group called the Gaithers, Gaither Homecoming. I didn't even know who they were because I was a brand new Christian, but I was like, hey, okay, I can sell merch and be around music. All right, sure, I'll say yes to this. And um, it's a funny reason how I even, I just happened to go to this show, was helping this guy put up the merch table because he was struggling. And he, and it was his wife, Allison Durham Spear, and who was out with the, with the Gaithers at the time. And we found out I lived right next door to them, like around the corner. They took me to lunch the next day. And then, well, I, I am now on the road with them on the weekends. So, you know, part of my story is always just being, paying attention, being alert, being willing to serve in areas like, I don't know anything about merch, but I ended up being on the road with them and selling merch and getting a chance to do uh, background vocals for, for Allison every now and then. And it was a really fun year and a fun uh, season to, to do that. And that was kind of during the season that I was like, mm, I don't think the whole singing thing is my thing because I got so nervous. I did not love being up front. Even now, I don't... The, being up here and speaking to you all, I mean, it's much easier now because I do it all the time now, but it isn't my natural 
place to be. I'm more behind the scenes and helping everybody else do their thing and do what they need to do. But it was a good season to do that. And that led into a job on Music Row for the summer. I finished out my teaching all right, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna work on Music Row at a TV and film company called Six Fifteen Music Productions. They they are now like Warner Chapel Productions, but we did music for TV and film, and I was just the front desk girl. But I was like bounding to be bounding determined to be the best front desk girl on Music Row because I was like I've made it. I'm finally on Music Row and doing my thing and I dreamed of of working on those streets one day and it was finally happening within a year of actually being here. And so I spent again I spent time getting to know everybody that would come into those doors and at the time, Jerry House and Devin O'Day were, do, were, were doing WSIX. Is, I don't even know if that radio station is still around, but they were leading the radio station and they were became another big part of my life of introducing me to people and getting to know different folks. And this guy, Grant Cunningham, he came in to do a session at our studio. Someone didn't show up. I got to sing for sing the session since that person didn't show up. So yay for me. And it opened up a conversation and he's like, oh, you want to sing? So I tried out for a couple of different acts. Did not quite work very well. It wasn't my lane for me to do that. But because of it, he's like, hey, there's this job opening at Capital or at EMI at the time. EMI Christian, would you be up to interviewing for that project and I was or for that job and I was like sure so that was in publishing and so a year and a half almost two years into living in Nashville I got my job as a publisher at EMI Christian and I was a brand new Christian I had in between that time gave my life to the Lord and so now I'm working with people like Stephen Curtis Chapman and Rebecca St. James DC Talk right there at the end, news Newsboys, and all these amazing people, Twyla Paris, so many amazing, Avalon, so many amazing people, but learning what publishing was, like, I didn't know. I had no clue. All I knew is I was the weird kid that was always looking up back in the day and the, the J card in the back going, oh, who wrote this song? Who played on this song? Who sang on this song? Who played the drums? Because I love drums. And now I'm actually getting the chance to do really my dream job that I had no clue that this was my dream job. And so really, I just want to encourage you all. I mean, first of all, you're all, you all are here. And that's a leap of faith for some of you. Maybe some of you don't completely understand why you're here. But God has a reason and a purpose for each and every one of you. And it and it may lead to songwriting for the rest of your life. It may lead to a publishing deal. It may not lead to a publishing deal, but it may lead to you writing songs for someone that needs to hear that specific song. I mean, I, I say all the time, just try to speak encouragement over everybody because you know, not everyone in this room is going to get a publishing deal. Not everyone in this room is going to get a number one. But that doesn't mean that your songs aren't important. Every single song that you write is important because God has a purpose and a plan for it. And if He's calling you to write, it might just be for you. If He's calling you to write, it might be for your friend who needs encouragement 
And so I just want to make sure I share that because I think a lot of times the expectation, it's good to have goals. Like I did, I had a goal. I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to be a, the next Winona Judd. And it's good to have those goals to like get you to where you need to go and then also be open to wherever God leads you. Cause sometimes what we want and what God, God's plan are two totally different things. And sometimes it's, well, not sometimes, but all the time, it's usually better than what you could ever ask, dream or imagine. And that's how I feel. Now I've now been in publishing for 20 years. I got to work at EMI. I got to work at EMI country. So I loved country music, obviously. And I saw an opportunity. And I, again, I, I thought, how, how else to get into the country world than to get to know people? So EMI had a country division. And so I spent once a month, I'd go down there, take the guy that was working there at the time, Glenn Middleworth, to lunch. I was, I would say, I want to take you to lunch and just ask you a million questions. And it was so fun. And so then when a job opened there at EMI, who do you think they asked? They asked, they, they came to me because they knew I was already planting those seeds. I never said I wanted to work there. But I planted the seeds and I got to know their riders and I showed up at every single ride around that I could go to. I just kept, I just kept showing up. And that's the biggest thing in what we do. Keep showing up, keep showing up in the rooms, even when it's, it's frustrating, even when you're like, ah, frustrated either with yourself or frustrated with your co-riders. That happens. But when you get frustrated, go back to the why. Go back to the why am I doing this in the first place? Because I've, in my 20 years, I've had moments of what am I doing? Am I done with the music industry? Why am I doing this? And I'll go back. It's why I, and I don't go out to shows as much as I used to, but it's why I'm taking a trip in a couple weeks to to go see Winona and see you know one of their one of their last shows for the Judds anyway I go because I used to go as a little girl and it was one of those she was one of the reasons why I moved here and it's going back to those things that ignited your heart and remembering why why you're doing what you're doing so I worked at EMI Country for about six or seven years. And then I got asked to work back in the Christian industry at Brentwood Benson. But they wanted me to start a country division there. So we... we Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. We had the... I've had... Each season has been just beautiful. I mean, the country season was amazing because I got to work with all these... Chris Stapleton before he was Chris Stapleton. All these different people that I grew up listening to. I got a chance to pitch them songs and, you know, really be a part of the process. So Brentwood Benson, which then merged into Capital, well, EMI, which then became Capital. And that was kind of my last space in corporate America. I ended up leaving Capital about six years ago, I guess. Started my own thing of consulting after a series of events. I had gotten let go actually from Capital. And I was like, are you serious? Like, oh my gosh, I must be done. Like, I'm not good enough. I mean, all those things, even though I'd been doing it for 20 years, all those things, the enemy loves to creep in there and put lies in our heads of things that are not true. And luckily I have a really great 
accountability group, a great group of friends and a great group of people within the industry that reminded me of what the truth was and not what the enemy was trying to say. So I started my own little company, started working with a company called Full Circle Music um, with Seth Mosley. And we have had such a blast. I had a blast working for them. And then because I was mainly consultant, um, when Chris Tomlin and Jason Ingram, I don't know, does everybody know who Jason Ingram is? I know you all know who Chris Tomlin is, but Jason's amazing as well. But they're like best friends. And they called me during 2020, during COVID and said, hey, we got this crazy idea. We want to start our own publishing company. What do you think about that? And I was like, cool, do it. You should do it. Go for it. And um after several conversations, they're like, yeah, but we want you to run that. And I'm like, what? No, you don't want me to do that. And after several more phone calls, I said yes to that. So we're about a year and a half into our little publishing company called Tim Publishing. And it's the first time of really starting things from scratch and leading a team like this. And we have about seven writers. And we're just having the best time. I've normally worked on the creative side all my years because I working with a big company. In publishing, you've got two sides of publishing. You've got the creative side, which is the part that I love the most. And that is I sign writers and then I set them up on co-writes. I pitch those songs to different artists and then yeah, just keep track of their catalog. And it's very, very creative. I'm listening to songs and critiquing them. And then you've got the other half of that. And that's the administration side. And that side I've grown to love this time around. But because we're a small company, it's just me, myself and I. And so I've had to learn, I've had to learn after 20 years how to do admin and how, what does that look like? And it's been so fun to, to grow. And that's another thing I would like to just input right there is never stop growing, never stop learning. We never get to a point where we've plateaued. Even with our relationship with the Lord, we should always be constantly learning. I'm Even on the way here, I was listening to a podcast, Greg Rochelle. He does a great leadership and we're just hiring somebody. And I just want to make sure that I'm leading well. And it's important to me to not only lead myself, but also lead the songwriters and lead my interns that I have. We want to do that well because how we lead them is how they're going to lead others. And it's very important. So yeah, so that's kind of my quick little story of who I am. And on the admin side of publishing, so administration always gets a little hard to wrap our heads around because it's we're, we're all very creative, especially if we're songwriters and artists. But the admin side is very important. It's very important even if you don't have a publishing deal. Even if you don't have a publishing deal, it's, it's still good for you to like make sure you're managing your catalog well. And there are many different ways that you can do that. We use a, a thing called Songspace. And it's a catalog system that you can import your songs and your lyrics and keep track of writer information, writer names. If you can't afford that, you can always use Dropbox where you can you know, make folders and put your lyrics and your audio in there. But you always want to know on the administration side, when you're writing with people, you're always wanting to know what's your publishing information? What's your publishing name? And who's your... Does everybody know what a PRO is? 
Okay. Well, if you don't know what PRO's performance royalty organization, it's ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. CSAC is always hard to get into. You kind of have to be invited in to CSAC. So usually you're looking at BMI and ASCAP. And basically what they do, they track your... If you have a song on the radio, any live performances, they will track that. So if you are a songwriter with songs that are on streaming services right now and you do not have a PRO, please make sure you go you go sign up with... BMI would be Leslie Roberts and ASCAP would be Kelly Courier. If you're not signed up and you have no idea what to do, it's very easy. You just go to the website and you can sign up. But if you need extra help, feel free to grab me afterwards because super easy and... They know, like Kelly and Leslie know about what Chrissy's doing here. And they're just really great partners. And it's important to have um, cheerleaders on your team in every single area possible. So they are another part of your team. I know oftentimes people just, oh, it's just, that's where I get my money. But it's all about relationships and what we do in this industry. So you really need to know the people that are looking after uh, your songs at the PROs. That kind of explains publishing. And like a, someone asked me earlier today, I was meeting with someone and they were like, what is day to day? What does it look like to be a publisher? Um, today, well, I'll give you the last 24 hours for me, but uh, last night I was not supposed to do anything, but then I got a call from, you guys got to hear her this morning, Rita Springer. Got a call from Rita and she was going to the Tasha Cobb show last night. We we all have some songs on that project. And so uh, we got to hang out and, and do that last night and then get up super early this morning for a quick meeting with Jason and Chris um, about some things that exciting things that we're wanting to do to add to Tim Publishing and what we're doing. And then the rest of the day was spent setting up co-writes, um, making sure all of our songs are either in PROs that our songs are in the CMG system because we they do our administration. It has to flow through somewhere and that's where that flows through. Um, on the phone all day long with, with A&R people, with managers, with artists that I might know, um, finding out about, hey, you wrote this song last month with Benji. What are you thinking about this song? Is this something that you want to um, cut? Is this something you want to add to your project or is this something that I can take and pitch to another artist? So each day is very, very different. Some days we have a bunch of people in the writer rooms and some days it's quiet and we are working on other projects. But that's just kind of a day in the life. So now I'm here and I'll go to the event tonight since Benji is going to be singing for you guys. Um, it's going to be tonight's going to be awesome. I'm really excited for that. But um, I want to take the rest of the time and just kind of um, take some questions because I know the questions will lead me to several different places. So tell me what your name is and where you're from. Hey, Cedric Israel. Made the move here. Oh, Cedric. Year, yes. Yeah, a year ago um, from Dallas. And um, Tony Wood said earlier, he said, publishers don't want to... Uh, sign a song they want to sign like songwriters so mm -hmm. just from your perspective yep. what, what does that look like for building a relationship with upcoming songwriters yeah I mean there are times when we might do a single song agreement with someone I actually just did that 
did that with with a with a writer who wrote on a, a song that just was released actually with Bethel. And um uh but most of the time if we're looking at artists or we're looking at songwriters, we we don't want just one song. We kind of want your whole catalog or we want to invest in you as a songwriter. Um so it's so rare that that I would that I would do that. It every now and then it happens in TV and film where it might be a song that we're working on and in TV and film in sync world it's very different. It's better if publishing is all under one entity because the music supervisors can it's it's all about um how quick can you get something approved and so if they only have to go to one publisher it's easier on them. So there are times when if I hear a song and I think I could do something with this, um, we, we, we really would love to um, sign you for the long haul. Um, and, and sometimes that is going to look like a year to three to four years is usually what we're hoping to do. Because if you're a brand new writer... And we sign you. Um, it's usually going to take a year or two to kind of get that catalog going. It's going to take a little while, um, unless you're actually bringing in catalog that's already getting some cuts and some traction. It's normally going to take a year or two for you to get some cuts. Because um, you might get a couple of cuts, but then those aren't even going to get released until the next year. It takes a really long time for things to move. Um, I don't know if... Does that answer the question? Um, but there's always... So you say there's a chance. There's always a chance. Um, sorry. I'm always quoting movies. Um, or singing or singing, or singing, uh, lyrics to my interns. And they're like, I don't even know what song that is. And it's like, okay, let me play this for you because you need to know these, this song. Um we we're like we're doing we're doing it with a a writer from um Caleb Melton from um Seven Hills Worship and i found Caleb because one of my old interns was like hey i just produced this project and i thought you might like the song and the song was um called found a love and i was like what is this song who is this person and i still remember Instagram message, which this hardly ever happens, but I messaged the guy and he thought it was a prank. And I'm like, no, really, it's me. Like, I'm a nobody, but it is me. And I live in Nashville and I run a company and I'm just interested in talking to you. And we've, we've, we've over the last year, we've gained um, a relationship and I've was spent a lot of time with him and his pastor in Cincinnati and have been a part of their process of specifically writing songs for their church. They don't necessarily want a publishing deal or a record deal. They're just writing songs for the church. I love that. And we're just kind of coming alongside. So we do single song agreements. Every time he writes a song, if it's something we feel like we can be a, we can get on board with, we, we do a sing, single song agreement with him. So we haven't fully signed him. Um, but it, it kind of works the way it, it is right now because he's not a... Probably isn't isn't at a place where he's going to be writing for other projects. He's just only writing for for the church. But 
every situation is completely different. And I listen to a lot of songs, um, a lot of outside songs, and then obviously the songs from our own writers. So um, yeah, it can it can look so many different ways now, which is amazing. But most people, I, I'm just even thinking about Benji. Chad Segura was at, he works at Centricity now, but he was at Word. And um, Benji, and I might get this a little bit wrong, the details, but Benji for like a year or two or maybe three was sending uh, Chad a song a month because Chad had met him at one of these events. He had heard a song and he's like, oh, there's something there. And he kept encouraging Benji. He kept, you know, reaching out or Benji kept reaching out. He kept listening and kept encouraging him in his writing. And then, you know, years later, he was able to sign Benji at Word. And Benji's been at Word this whole five or six years now um, until he left to to come over with us. So um, having access to people to um, listen to your songs is so important. So anytime you get that opportunity, um, I'm not sure if they're doing that here, but anytime you get that opportunity, jump at it and and make sure you play um, your song for anyone that will, that will listen. Uh, one thing I will say, this is just a little side note that happens all the time, but if you do get an opportunity to play your song for somebody, um, make sure you always have a lyric with you just in case. So sometimes it's it's a little bit hard to understand every single lyric. I like to look at the lyric as I'm listening. So always making sure you kind of keep keep a lyric with you, even if it's on your phone, so that the listener can can listen. Um, the other thing is, and this is a what not to do, um, if your song is older, that's fine. Just don't tell us. Don't tell us. Don't tell me. This is a song that I wrote 10 years ago. Because I'm going to think as a publisher, I'm going to be like, wow, 10 years. Is that the only good song that you have? That's just being honest. That's what I'm going to say. So even if it is your only good one, don't tell us. Just be like, yeah. They might ask you and just be like, oh, yeah, I just wrote this a couple of years ago. I don't know. <laughs> don't lie. But <laughs> I can't remember how long it was, but this is my favorite. Just redirect the question. <laughs> Hi, I'm Melanie. Melanie. Hi. Um, Where are you from? I'm here now. Okay. I'm awesome. originally from Jersey. Okay. Awesome. So my question is what I think people here probably vary in terms of how much songwriting they've done and how many how much how many songs they've released and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When it comes to sitting down with a publisher and sharing your catalog, when at what point would you say you think someone's ready to do that? Like what does that look like in yep. your opinion? Perfect. Well, one of the things that Jason Ingram loves to say is he he will always say, I can tell what type of a writer are right what type of a writer that you are by looking at your calendar. So if your calendar, and this is kind of his quote, but if, if your calendar is, um, you, you're writing maybe once a month or once every now and then, um, maybe, maybe, you know, checking, maybe this is, maybe this is a hobby. If you're writing every day, if your calendar is full and, and it doesn't have to be with a song with another, with a co-writer, but if you're writing every day, I mean, I just think about, Mia Fields, um, 
who is also another amazing songwriter and you'll hear her tonight. But I mean, she has a notebook with her all the time and, and there's a, there's a section for titles. There's a section for, you know, just random ideas. There's a section for choruses. Like she keeps that with her at all times. I mean, that is a writer that she lives and breathes songwriters. She can't think about anything else. She can't imagine doing anything else because this is what she's called to do. So um, knowing when it's time is, um, I mean, it's a little bit tricky. I mean, I think it's all based on God's timing, I think, and what what songs are you, what songs you're writing. I think we're, we, as publishers, we're always like, I'm not necessarily looking, I don't have time to sit and look at YouTube and listen to songs or it's usually like, hey, like all of us publishers, we're getting together on Monday. We get to try to get together once a month. What's going on? What are you listening to? I can't sign anybody right now. You should check out this person. So we're, we're all hearing about things through managers, through other artists, through my interns are constantly telling me, Hey, you should listen to this guy. He's really good. Um, um, it, I think the general rule, um, maybe it's not a rule, but we were having this conversation with one of our writers and Jason was encouraging them like, Hey man, like, um, whether you're writing with somebody or not, you should really be writing a hundred songs a year, um, as a rule. Um, that's Jason's a producer and he doesn't have as much time to write, but that's still his standard of writing every single day. He, when he got signed years ago at Provident, it took him like three years before he got his first cut. Um, but they believed in him, but it took that time for, you know, to get in the room to like, you might get in the room with other songwriters, but it took him a a while to get in the room with an artist. So lean on your, lean on your PRO, lean on, um, situations like this where you can like meet people and have people listen to your songs. Because if somebody, if I hear a song that I really like, then I'm probably gonna, loop back around or that somehow that song is going to come up more and more. And that's when you know, okay, it you really have to have something happening. Because if you're going to go into a publisher, then you need to bring something to the table. Um, what is it the, the publisher is going to say, who, who, who are you writing with? What is your what does your week look like of writing? And, and you know, who are you connected to? Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like the big major songwriters, but just knowing that you are setting up your own rights, that you're not. I think one of the things that encourages us as publishers when we find somebody is like like a Caleb, like he was just going after it. Like he was going to do it whether I came on board or not. And that's the key. Are you waiting for somebody? Are you waiting for somebody else to do it for you, or are you just going to do it anyway? Um, you know, I mean, I th- I thought about that when I moved here. It's like I I didn't even know to have somebody help me. I was just going to do it and have fun, no matter what happened. And so um, I think that's again that's the challenge. I, we I think I've probably already said this, but you're the CEO of your own company. Um, you're your own publisher if you're not signed yet. 
And you have to look at it as a company and as a ministry and and go into it going, you know, what type of a songwriter in your Am I? What type? What's my genre? What is my my gifting? My calling? Am I a lyric writer, um, like a like a Tony Wood? And so you know, a lot of times with Tony, it's like we bring him in if we've got an artist and a producer. I bring him into our rights all the time because he's such a strong lyricist. Like his lyrics are so amazing. I mean, he's, we're constantly, I'll, I will constantly say, does that chorus match with the, with the, the hook of the song? Is every line connect back to what the hook is saying? Or have we already said it before? Um, He's brilliant. I just, I just love him. Did I answer the question? Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Hello. Hi. Sean Pringle from Colorado. Colorado. Um, quick question. Yes. So a lot of artists have decided to go independent mm-hmm. thanks to home studios and, well, the internet in yep. general. What would you say is the best advantage of being signed, signed to a publishing company versus just going independent? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the good thing about uh, the way the industry is now. There's so many different opportunities. Um, years ago, you would have not been able to do what you're doing now because you could only get your songs heard if you had a publishing deal. But now you can get your songs out through um, DistroKid or CD Baby or, you know, find somebody else, find friends that want to sing your songs if you're not the artist. Um you know, publishing deals are going to help you. What we try to do is come alongside the songwriter. Um, trying to think of an example. Tommy Iceland is a good example because he's kind of a newer, a newer writer. He's from Sweden. He uh, was a part of a church collective that, um, we initially signed the church collective. And then unfortunately that church collective, um, got, got sold to kind of another company. And so we weren't able to work with him. So we signed Tommy and we came alongside Tommy and Tommy has, you know, he has, he loves, uh, his, he loves to work on production and he loves to actually be an artist as well. And so part of our job is to come alongside that and help him, um, figure out how best to go after his dreams. Um, we need him writing as much as possible. And then the artist thing is kind of like a side gig. So we're like, <laughs> let's do this just a short amount of time. But then we really need you, need you writing as much as possible. Cause that's really his strength. That's his strong part of, of him. His, his artistry is kind of just his side gig that he can, um, do his thing and, and be a little creative and do some stuff that's more for like TV and film. Um, but, really as a publisher, we're going to come alongside. We're going to help you um, with relationships. We're going to help you get in rooms with um, other people. I mean, part of what I do is we, we're getting ready to have a... We just had a Jesus Culture song camp at our, our office space. Um, and so someone like Tommy, who's never written with the Jesus Culture folks got a chance to write with the Torwalds, got a chance to write with Chris um, Kilala and um, Kim Walker-Smith. And we just provide opportunities for songwriters that may not have those uh, opportunities or those uh, relationships with different people. So that's a big part of what 
we bring to the table is opportunities um, and, and and the opportunity to pitch your songs too. If your song isn't written with an artist. I do a lot of... we. Not every publisher does that, but I spend a lot of time pitching songs to other projects because you've got a catalog and every, I feel like every song should be used for something. So... <laughs> I'm Lexi. Hey, I'm Lexi. originally from Virginia, but I moved here. Okay, so awesome. Um, you kind of actually were just talking about this, but what kind of advice would you kind of give to somebody who feels called to be an artist, but also like write for other artists as well? Mm-hmm. And does that like, like does that exist, or are you like, is it harder to get somebody in a room if you're not sure if they want the song for themselves or other people? Like, just how does that look? Yes, that can get a little tricky sometimes when when you've got a couple of the same artists in the same the same room. It's all about communication. And I think some of that is upfront. Um, if you have a publisher, a lot of times I'm talking to the other publisher and we're able to kind of talk about, okay, we've got... So I've got Callie Hallingthaw. This actually just happened. We've got Callie Hallingthaw, Rita Springer, and another artist. Three, You get basically three artists in one room. So what are we going to do with this? And what is this for? And and who are we writing for? And sometimes it's just, we're just going to write a worship song and see what happens. And then other times it's like, no, Rita's writing for our project or um, no, we really wanted to find something for Callie. Or it might be, no, we're writing for Bethel um, or we're writing for, you know, another project for Hope Darst or whoever. Um, so it's, Again, a lot about communication. So even before you step into the room, it's good to maybe establish, hey, I know we're all artists here. So what are the thoughts behind before we even get started? And then after you've written the song, it may shift and change because you it may be for you. But then you write the song and it comes out totally different. It's not really your vibe. And you can kind of all... Before you leave the room, again... A lot of stuff happens after the fact and that's where issues happen. So if if you can establish before you left the room, hey, this is so different than what we thought we were headed. What are y'all thinking about this? Should we talk to our... If you have a publisher, should we talk to our publishers about us or what, you know, should we pitch this? Is anyone really feeling like this is something that they want to do? And then sometimes, you know, it may be something that you both want to do and then you kind of have to have further conversation with that. I mean, we we just... We were having that too with... We had a big song camp with two major groups. And within those groups, Cody Carnes was in there and Stephen Furtick was in there. And like all these people. And so, and so it's like, oh my gosh, disaster waiting to happen. I'm like... Oh. And... I wasn't in charge. So it's like, I didn't really say a whole lot in the beginning, but I, but I think everybody learned the lesson because what ended up happening is all these great songs came out and like Matt Redmond's like, I want to cut these. And Cody's like, I want to cut these. And the initial groups, Hillsong and Maverick City, it's like, uh, what are we going to do with this? And at the end of the day, it's like, again, it's all about communication. They worked it all out. It was a little rocky in the- in the beginning, but they were able to work that out. And it's like, again, with worship songs, it's great now because you could have, um, I mean, it's kind of like elevation when they put, um, blessing, um, blessing out. They, that, well, that happened. That was a total God thing because they wrote it on a 
Saturday or whatever. And then they, they did that video on a Sunday at a church service. Um, and then quickly had to, you know, release it because it was blowing up. And then Carrie's at Capitol, which is a totally different, you know, um, company than Elevation. And they had to figure out how they were going to work that out. But again, communication. So does that make sense? So just communicating, communicating in your writing room is so important. Um, Because like I said, once you leave that room, sometimes it's really hard to get everybody on the phone again. So if you can get all of that information that you need from your from your crew that you're writing with, is so helpful. Yes. Hi, I'm Joya Smith. I have a question. Are you from here? No, I'm from South Louisiana. Oh, awesome. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, so my question is, I'm a songwriter, but I'm not an artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm mostly a lyricist, but I also am a musician. So in terms of quality of demos, what is your recommendation for people who, like, they're not vocalists, but they write music and they can hear vocal parts? How much money should be put into the quality of a demo and what is your expectations on that level? Great question. And and the challenge for you is to start finding those people, start writing with producers that can help produce out those those songs. But at the same time, I mean, there's so many times when I've pitched or I've been okay with a piano vocal, a guitar vocal. So if you can create that, that's all we need. Um, I mean, my big Rascal Flats two week number one was a was a piano vocal that I pitched to Dan Huff, the producer. So you know there are there. Laura's, I just think about Laura's stories. Um, blessing song was a piano vocal when she turned it in and actually they didn't do too much to it when they recorded it it was still basically a piano vocal for that song so um for me other publishers might say something else but i'm okay with a piano vocal or a guitar vocal as long as i can the quality is good um if if you need if maybe um you find yourself where you're like maybe my voice isn't that strong. Again, it's finding who are your friends that are the artists and asking them if they'll come sing on on something for you. Um, so again, all about relationships. So when you know I'm the lyricist, I have I'm I'm do great with melodies, but how do I get these recorded? Start trying to find those people um that you that are your go to for production. Um and for doing vocals. Yep. Yep. Hi, Hi. I'm Katie Marie Hughes, and I live in Sarasota, Florida. Awesome. Um, I'm an artist and writer, and I was just curious what that would look like um, to work with writers that are out of state. You know, mm-hmm. for rights, are you obviously like totally open to travel and and have that like kind of availability so I was just curious I'm sure you probably work with artists Mm -hmm. that are artists and writers that are out of state too yes yeah um again I think COVID has helped us in certain ways and that is we it opened up Zoom writing um it opened up opportunities for for those who couldn't come to Nashville that often to be able to do that and we're still we still find ourselves I know people 
writers don't want to do it very often now, but um, we do find ourselves in that position where it's like, if we really want a write to happen or someone's sick or someone's not feeling that great, but could still write, we're going to, we're going to bring them in zoom wise. Um, There are plenty of opportunities for that. I think, you know, you've got an opportunity to, meet everyone here these next couple of days. And I always encourage people to make sure you leave these type of events with at least three to five people that you've connected with that you can do co-writes with. So don't leave here or at least one. I know sometimes people have a really hard time. Um, uh, well, you can be shy and, 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 and feel a little bit nervous to connect with other people or make that ask. But I want to challenge you. It's one of the things we talk about in our, um, in our company with, with my interns. I don't have employees yet, but, um, with my interns, we talk about every Friday, we talk about what are, what are things that we've done this week that we've either done afraid or we've done something that was a little bit fearful, but we did it anyway or something that I've never done before, but I just, figured it out. Um, and so that's the challenge for this week. Like, um, find one to uh, one to three people that you can, can, can connect with, whether they're in your area or not, and then hop on a zoom and, and, and co-write with people. Um, I know there's certain people that don't live here that try to like Caleb comes quarterly he'll come to just hang out with us uh, for about a week and I'll try to help him set up um, different co-rides. So um, yeah, I would encourage you to do that. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. There's always, there's always ways. And there's, there's also a company called NSAI. Um, they're really good about setting up co-rides as well. Um, your PRO might be able to do that um, in your area, but NSAI has chapters all over the country. So you should also check if NSA has a chapter in Sarasota. That's where you're from, right? Um, and I'm not sure. Sarasota, is that south of Tampa? Okay. Can we pray? Can we pray for, pray for your area right now? Um, and Tampa. Okay. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to pray right now before we continue on because we just need to pray right now. Father, I just speak over this hurricane that um, continues to gain speed. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would, that you would, um, yes, that peace be still, that you would speak peace over this here hurricane, that it would lose steam, that it would go from a category three to a category one to a tropical storm. Lord, we just pray over every single person that is trying to get out right now, Lord, that you would open up the lanes and that they would um, safely be able to get out. We pray over everyone's homes, Lord. We just speak... Um, uh, we just speak over the storm and ask it to to slow down and to disappear in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord God, for um, keeping people safe. And uh, yes, we just thank you, Lord, for the people that are here. I just ask that they would be able to just um, not miss a moment because they're concerned or worried about their homes or their loved ones. Um, I just pray for peace over their minds while they're here. And we just ask that you would give them such a great um, 
even distraction while they're here, Lord, knowing that you are, um, you are taking care of everything in Jesus name. Amen. You're welcome. Anybody else? Yeah, I think this is, I mean, I could go on and on, but I think this is so helpful because I want to make sure we're answering specific questions that, that you all have. So Thank you for that. I'm Jeannie and I live in Canada. Okay. Oh, awesome. What part of Canada? <laughs> Ontario, like east, east an hour of Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Above Michigan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I lived in Toledo, Ohio for many okay, years. Cool. So yes. So for CC, for worship leaders, and if you're writing a good song at your church, how does it work for the CCLI registration yep. and all of the legalities? Yep. Or I, how does that work? Yeah. So CCLI, you don't have to have a publisher to sign up for CCLI. I would do that. Now with with songs, they're gonna they're gonna ask. Um, it's a little tricky because I think I don't remember how many churches have to be singing that song before they'll actually add it. Yeah, it's like five. It's not that many. And since we're talking about that, let me also encourage you to do. What's that? Could be ten. Yeah, it's it's. There's a reason for that too because if it's it's a smaller collective, not not like a PRO, and so. Um, the focus is on songs that are actually um, being sung in a lot of churches. But um, one of the things people ask me about that all the time, but like, well, but how do I get other churches to do that? Well, another challenge. So <laughs> you're from Ontario. Um, I would love, and this is just a, a, a big dream, but I would, I would love to see, um, churches working together a little bit more. I would love to see one of the, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of something that happened. And I, I love what I do. So where I go different places, I'll, I went to Bozeman, Montana to see a friend of mine who was going through a hard time. And we went to, um, her church that she loves to go to and then the church that her, her kids like to go to. So we went to two different services, um, which was really fun that day. And I, afterwards I was like, we should have, um, and I speak to a lot of women a lot. So I said, we should have, how many worship leaders do you know in Bozeman, Montana? And she's like, I don't know, like 20. And I'm like, call them up and see if they can come over to your house. I'll buy little snacks. We'll have them come over and we'll just, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's just bring them over and create community within your little town of Bozeman. And the cool thing was now they meet once a month and they play each other's songs. They write together and they have a community of women championing each other. And it doesn't have to be just women, but it just happened to be that's what we <laughs> created. But I love it now because now, now they're seeing, oh, I love that song. You know, they have their night where they can play each other's songs and different churches are playing each other's songs based on that entity. But one of the things that I encouraged them to think about is each church is going to have a theme or each church is going to write. If you're, if you're a worship leader, um, writing for your church, 
get with your pastor, get with your, if you're not the head worship leader, get with your, the worship pastor and start asking those questions. What is it that this church needs to hear? What are we going through? What are we, what is, what is happening in our community that we need to encourage? What is it that we need to say? And then it was cool because, so that's what I asked those girls um, when they came that night. What is it that your church, and at first nobody knew what to say. And then as we started going out, oh, no, no, yeah, this, this is happening. We should write about this. And so it'll also give you ideas of how to write for, for your congregation. But then I told them, I was like, hey, when I leave, you guys get together and then think about what it is your city. What is Bozeman, Montana going through? What is happening in Bozeman, Montana? What is it that you, you hope and pray um, you see in Bozeman, Montana? So just an encouragement to all of you writing for your churches, connect with other worship leaders, create it yourself, like start inviting people um, once a month to your home. And in, even if, even if it doesn't even relate to music, just having that community of learning from each other and what are you guys singing? What is it that um, you're walking through? And then, you know, even if you're not songwriting, you're praying for each other. You're creating a community that's, that's, that's together, that's strong. And um, it's something that I don't see many churches or communities doing. Cincinnati, I know I keep going back to um, Seven Hills Worship, but I know that they're doing it with a couple other churches in Cincinnati as well. And what's happening in that community when you've got, when you've got um, everyone kind of focused on the same thing and not against each other and, and not being so worried about, oh, well, we believe in this and you believe in that. It's like, okay, can we just come together and believe that we all love Jesus and we're all focused on the same thing? It may look a little bit different in our churches, but let's pray for our community. Let's pray for their congregation. Let's pray for these people. Let's pray for our youth who, um, who are struggling and are having to deal with things that, you know, I never had to deal with when I was younger. So anyway, sorry, I'm pre I'm, I'm preaching a little bit. So. <laughs> my writers are like, oh my gosh, I don't have, I've got to go to my co-write. <laughs> I'm like, you should write about this today. Um, anybody else have, uh, yes. Um, I'm Leah. I'm actually from Cincinnati. Oh, cool. Born and Excellent. There. Yeah. What church do you go to? Um, uh, Liberty Heights. Liberty Heights. In, okay. Uh, Liberty Township. I actually awesome. moved here about a year and a half ago. Oh, though. wow. Cool. Like, like half the room. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, I have a question about modern hymns. Yep. Are you seeing from a publisher perspective that the appeal for modern hymns is waning somewhat? Mm. I think that, yeah. I think that, um, it's interesting because uh, I was at this Tasha Cobb event last night, and a lot of these newer songs that she's doing are are they're taking from hymns, and they've kind of put a little modern um, um, swing to it. Um, and there was something. There was another song that just I heard somebody just recently do that had that him feel to to me I love those because it's 
few and far between these days. And I, I just, I mean, I feel like the blessing, I feel like the blessing song is a little bit like that. It's, it's scripture. Um, uh, it's structures a little bit different, not as him sounding, but, um, I would not shy away from that. I think bring it back. I would love to hear more songs that are like cornerstone that, that, to me, that's a, or, or in Christ alone. Like those are two songs that I feel like anytime a song like that comes up, it's, it becomes a standard. And so if that's something that you love doing, then you should totally do more of that. Okay, I'm Melissa and I'm from Hi. Spring Hill. Okay. Um, so my question is in your graveyard of songs that have not been sung yes. or not been cut, Yes. What is that one where you're like, I just really keep pitching it and I love it? What yes. It's a little bit hard because our catalog is quite young. So it's, we're, we just have a year, a year and a half. Um, I'll tell two stories real fast. But Let My Life Be Worship was, our, was almost the first song of the first week that we signed Jess Cates to. And he... We got him with a girl with a girl named Michaela and um, a guy named Sam Hart, who was a brand new producer who just moved to town. That's a whole nother story. But his name is Sam Hart. Yes, Sam's amazing. Um, what? Oh, yes, he's amazing, and he's the one that we did the single song agreement. With. On like that song, "Let My Life Be Worship." It's like when I heard it, I kept saying, "Jen Johnson has to sing this song." I pitched it a million and one times, um, and it wasn't ready, wasn't time, wasn't time. So it's been a year and a half, and it's, that song just came out what, last week. Um, I think everybody in the industry knows when I find a song that I absolutely love, I'm going to keep pitching it until I find a spot. Same thing just happened with another song that. Jess Cates and Tommy Iceland, two of our writers, wrote with another artist, but the artist isn't really ready. The artist hasn't been signed. Who knows when that's going to happen? Um, uh, and so I started pitching that song. I tried to pitch it to Cece um, Winans, and she's not ready for looking for songs right now either. And so we pitched it to Hope Darst, who wrote Peace Be Still. And... Um, that song is going to be on her next project. So I'm trying to think. There's another song that I absolutely love that hopefully Toby's going to cut. Um, I keep asking him like, hey, what about that song? What about that song? What about that song? It's called Family. So if it comes out, then you'll know. That's the one she was talking about. <laughs> hopefully it comes out sometime next year. But um, there's actually a song in the EMI catalog Um it's called That's How I Remember You. It, it was a song that a guy named Kelly Loveless wrote that it's my dad and, and it's my favorite of that catalog and it hasn't quite ever gotten cut by anybody. And I keep... That catalog's now with Sony and there's a guy named Tom Luter and I'm always like, hey, what about that song? And it just sounds old now and I'm like, do a piano vocal of it. It's really good. Like Dan and Shay could do it or, you know, somebody. But... <laughs> But it's funny because I do, there are certain songs that I still remember in other catalogs that I'm like, ah, oh, that would be great. There's a song, Nicole Witt, who's a country writer. Um, it, 
the song's called Bourbon, but it's a really, really good song. And, um, we were, uh, her, her daughter was interning for me. And so we were, we were bringing that up and I was telling her, don't give up on that song. Like keep pitching it to different people. Cause you know, there's, there's been songs, especially in country music. Um, there's been songs that have been pitched to different artists. It's, you know, my, the house that built me was 10 years old and they rewrote the song and, um, 10 years, 12 years later, Miranda Lambert cut that one. Happened, same thing with Rascal Flatts. Uh, can't remember the exact name of the song, but yes, that one. Um, but another song that's in the catalog and, and you just have to, if you're the songwriter, this is a, this is a good question, Ashley. If you're a songwriter, you get a publishing deal. Um, and a lot of times you're not always with that publisher forever. I mean, Tony Wood has been kind of in several different places, but remember the songs that are in your catalog and those are your songs. So don't forget about the ones that you really love and that had some attention, but never got cut. Feel free to continue to have relationships with the publishers that are, you know, at that other, that other place so that, um, I, I was telling this, there's a new, um, her name's Reagan. She's a new girl at Capitol. And I was telling her, I'm like, there's some great catalog in that, in that, um, Capitol catalog of, of songs. You've got Brentwood Benson songs. You've got all these songs in there. So I was telling her, I'm like, Hey, go check out this writer who's no longer there, but there's, there's some great songs that are in there that still haven't been cut. So I love songs. I just, I, I, Pay attention to that too when you're, when you're, you know, when or if you get a chance to like, um, sign a publishing deal. Part of that, um, I'm gonna get into the weeds a little bit in this. Like, don't get so caught up with the, a lot of times you'll get an advance if you're a songwriter. Don't get so caught up with, well, this company is gonna give me a higher advance than, this company. Pay attention to the people that are your cheerleaders. You really, you need more of a cheerleader than you need money because the cheerleader is going to help you through the highs and the lows. The money is not going to always be there, <laughs> you know? And so just, just really ask Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do in those situations because it really isn't all about the money. And at the end of the day, a smaller advance isn't so bad because if you get a really big cut, then that advance is going to get paid for and then you're going to get paid quicker anyway. So, um, but that's just a little side note. I, if people get wrapped up with advances and how long and, and I'm like, you're missing the point. Like I would care more about if someone's going to champion me and, and is, are you excited about my songs? And it goes back to, are you excited about one song? Or are you excited about the whole catalog? And are you excited about me? Cause if you're only excited about that one song, yeah, I would pay attention to that too. So anyway, probably sharing a little too much on as a publisher. <laughs> I'm Sandy Padilla Hi. from Colorado Springs. I was just in that area. <laughs> Very cool. I just have a quick question. So uh, we're worship leaders, we're following our calling and some of us, you know, release uh, worship projects and things like that. Should we reserve songs that we want 
pitched or should or should can we go ahead and release those songs and then see what happens like how's the publishers what's the publishing view on you know pre-released already released material or yep. should we be following the songwriter's call and keep things on reserve yep. that are untouched yes. so to speak and um i actually had this conversation with two young girls who aren't quite some of the publishing companies are looking at them. No one signed them yet, um, but they're artists as well. And I said, the first thing I said to them, and again, I don't, this is just who I am and this is where I'm always going to go. And so this is where I'm always going to lead people. And that is what's, what's Holy Spirit telling you? What's God telling you to do with those songs first? That's the, that should be the number one thing that you do first is like really spend time. Okay. I've got this situation. I don't really know what to do. God, what am I supposed to do with these songs? And then at the end of the day, it's like, um, I mean, I told these girls, just go release, just go, just do it. Like, um, otherwise you're just sitting waiting for something to happen and I would rather, I'd rather see you, you know, releasing some music and seeing something happen. And then, you know, as a publisher, it, it helps us go, oh, okay, great. And now we can kind of see where the numbers are and the traction is. So go release some music. Have fun. <laughs> Don't wait. <laughs> I mean, you want it to be good too. So just, you know. Hello, I'm Erica. Hey, I'm Erica. from Chicago. Okay. Um, what could you talk about the relationship between songwriters and publishers and yep. how to communicate best to each other? Yes, I, w that's, I wish Benji was here. Um, he's next door, but yeah, we have a really good relationship. Well, I hope I have a good relationship with my writers. <laughs> Hopefully, they would say that. Um, I mean. It really starts, it's, it's a two way street, just like any relationship. Um, it's a partnership. And so it's, it's, it's me, um, working towards this relationship and it's also them. And so I try to make sure we're having weekly to, if not daily communication with songwriters. We, I love to set up, I'm a goal setter. Um, and so I love when we first sign a writer, we get together and we talk about what are the goals? Who are you wanting to write with? What are your goals as a songwriter? Um, how do we get there? Um, who are the people that you already know that you can, you can write with? And then a lot of times I will say, okay, I just, I'm just trying to think of Benji. Uh, I'm trying to think who I've, Katie Nicole. Okay. Now, you know, Katie Nicole, you're writing with her all the time. I don't necessarily need to set that up every time you have that relationship. So go for it. You don't need me anymore in that area. You have her information. Um, if it's something major, I can step in, but it's a two way street and it's, and it's, you know, as much communication as the writer wants. If I was a songwriter, I would want as much communication with my publisher as possible. Um, I don't want to chase you down. I want to, I love the writers that I'm like, they're chasing, that are like, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? Because it keeps me on the toes and it keeps me um, excited about what they're doing. If I don't hear from you for a while, what tends to happen with anyone is like, if you don't hear from someone, you're kind of like, you know, hey girl, 
<laughs> you're kind of like, um, you know, they're, they're off the grid. You don't, you don't, you're not, they're not right in your face. And so you do happen to forget about them from time to time, but, um, it really is a two way street. So as a songwriter, um, I would, I would push a little bit with your publisher and get out of it what you want out of it. So, yes. Three minutes. Good question. Um, so I'm working on a song and I'm looking for someone to collaborate. It's a cover. And um, would that be something I would go to a publisher for or a label or who would I... Are you wanting an artist? Yes. Um, like, and I'll have it, it'll be set, like they can hear it and say yes or no, because they can, you know, if they love it, then. Um, that one's a little tricky, trickier. If you don't know, if you already, like if you have friends and you're like that are artists and they're excited about this, it's, it's kind of hard to go backwards and get, um, an artist maybe that you don't know excited about something that they weren't already a part of. So I'm not boohooing that idea, but figuring out who that who the artist is going to be. Maybe it's an indie artist that you're friends with that can come along with that. Because, I mean, it could be a sync thing because a lot of times if it's a popular song... Uh, music supervisors aren't going to use like a, a a huge artist. They're not going to use Katy Perry on that song. But if they had a brand new artist that maybe sounded like Katy Perry but did 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 that song, then they could use that song for for the sync. But you're going to have to get um, permission from the song songwriters, and yeah. those things are a little bit harder to. Okay, so if <laughs> okay, one more song, one more, and we're done. Yes. Thank you so much. What is the best way to submit a catalog for you to check out? Um, well, uh, yeah, it is a good question. Just because I don't always have, uh, I'm I'm running a. A, a brand new company right now. So I don't have as much time to listen to a bunch of songs that are outside. Um, but I will say you need to follow me on social media and or our company because we are getting ready to launch something down the road in the next six months that will allow us to do that. Um, I just can't do it right now because I just don't have the time, the extra time, unless it's something like this and I'm doing song critiques. I love doing that. Um, so yes, pay attention to Tim Publishing and, and my social media because that is coming down the road because we do get a lot of people wanting us to listen. Um, just it's, it's time. Um, but we'll be able to do that in the next six months or so. Um, Stacy Wilbur, S T A C E Y W I L L B U R, and then our company's Tim Publishing, T I M Publishing, Wilbur W I L L B U R. You guys are awesome. I hope that I helped. I hope that was as meaningful for you as it was for us. 
If you're a songwriter and you're resonating with any of what you heard today, we'd love to get to know you more and introduce you to some folks in our community. All of our podcast interviews and guest lectures come from either our Writing Club monthly breakouts or our annual Writing Worship Conference. Check out the show notes to learn how to get more involved with Writing Club, our mentorship taught by our founder, Chrissy Nordoff, or stuff we talked about in today's episode. Find us on Facebook at the Writing Worship Community, on Instagram at writingworship.co, and our website, writingworship.co. We love meeting new folks and supporting songwriters, so be sure to stop in, say hello, and get to know us a little bit. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation, You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.